0: Welcome to GE Vital Voices, where we help move the conversation and solutions forward. GE Healthcare is focused on precision health. Doctors, nurses, and clinicians are often under-resourced and overburdened, and COVID-19 has brought this front and center. Solving the industry's productivity challenges by improving access, enabling more precise patient diagnosis and treatment, shortening hospital stays and wait times, and lowering overall costs is more pressing now than ever. GE Healthcare is about delivering on the future of healthcare by enabling precision health, integrated, efficient, and highly personalized care.
1: Welcome to another episode of GE Vital Voices with me, Anna Schutz. This is the podcast where we look at issues that are significant and affect healthcare professionals in South Africa and across the continent. Really, this shows for anybody who is interested in public healthcare, let's have a conversation about everything that is vital to you. I remember quite clearly talking to a friend a few years ago about some minor illness that they had and they were saying they were going to go to the doctor and were hoping for some clarity and I said offhandedly, I hope he can help you. And they stopped me and said, she, my doctor is a woman. And it's such a small, innocuous conversation, but it's stuck with me all these years, because as someone who actively works to promote gender equality in healthcare, I caught myself making an assumption that when somebody says, doctor, I think of a man in a white lab coat, not a woman. And so it is unfortunately the case that these kinds of stigmas still remain throughout our healthcare system even though the majority of medical students coming into the system at the moment are overwhelmingly female. And yet when we look at doctors in particular, a 2021 study showed that while the ratio of female doctors to the South African population has increased in the last two decades, it is still much lower than the ratio of male doctors. And that ratio has also increased. So it's definitely something that we need to look at and that's why today on the show I am once again speaking to movers and shakers in the healthcare industry who just so happen to be female. I have two wonderful ones with me today. Belinda Ngongo is the founder of Pan-African Women in Health. It's an organization that connects with over 200 women across the African continent who are leaders in healthcare, putting them at the forefront. And she herself has worked in the global healthcare space for many years. And then I also have Zita van Seel, who is the deputy head of NetCare's Emergency Operations Center in South Africa. It is a high-pressure environment, as you can imagine, where she and her staff are often the very first point of call for somebody in a medical crisis and many of her team are women and they see a wide range of medical issues across the population. Thank you both for joining me for this conversation. Belinda, let's start with you. What has your experience been in public health care and what led you to form an organization specifically for African women? Thank you very much, Alna. And I think, as you said,
2: you know, the public health space is female dominated. I think around 77% of the workforce are women, but at leadership positions, executives, the C-suites, you know, you still have a lot of male. And, you know, what we've seen as well is a lot of women uh, are scared of asking what they want. You know, for example, women are scared to ask for a new promotion. You know, women are scared, you know, to ask for a pay rise because they don't want to destroy the relationship. So women tend to be kind of left behind, I would say. And then you still have a lot of males that are dominating the space. And I think when you even look at the regional or even at a global level, in certain rooms, because I've been privileged to enter many rooms, you know, to sit in many rooms, I feel like, I felt like, I was sometimes, uh, there were not a lot of people that looked like me. So I realized that it was time to actually create a movement or form an organization that will help support African women that were interested in joining the healthcare space. And I feel like, you know, this is helping really build the next generation uh, as we move uh, towards a very diverse uh, environment.
1: Mm. Zita, you are on the ground in one of these spaces. Have your experiences echoed what Belinda is saying?
3: Well, look, in emergency services, it's always been a male-dominated field. It is a very, um, in the road operation setting, it is very uh, labor-intensive. And traditionally, that's always been um, sort of a male role. But as we have moved forward in healthcare, being more evidence-based, being more clinically sound, we've actually discovered that uh, women tend to excel on the clinical front. And that has actually sort of promoted the entire uh, workforce to now consider paramedics as a field and as a career. So it has been similar, um, but we're also making sort of those slow strides into introducing more women into the field.
1: That makes a lot of sense and is exciting that we see this change. Belinda, you have your own experiences, but you also speak to so many different women and support them. What are the kinds of common challenges you are seeing specifically for female healthcare professionals?
2: This is a great question. And I think it's, especially when you look at the, the continent, the African continent, and even when you look at South Africa, a lot of women complain that, especially young women, complain that they, they lack role model. Second thing, you know, they lack mentorship. They don't know who to go to when they have problems. There's a term that I use, and many people use it in public health care, called the missing middle. We tend to focus a lot on the poor. And then say, you what? Know, let's give more money to the poor. Let's build a kitchen for the poor. And then we, we focus on the women that have more experience that are really starting their leadership journey. But then there's young women that are, that just finished school, uh, that are about to enter the workforce, you know, that don't know where to go, you know, and I call that the missing middle. And, and I think it's important that, you know, we, we put resources and energy to really uplift that group of young people. You know, because those are the people that are lacking, as I say, the role model. You know, they they don't know where the opportunities are. They lack the mentorship. You know, so I think these are some of the common
1: uh, challenges that we we, we face as women. Mm. And I think that's so true that across the board, once you're in a position of leadership or you are seen in your field in some way, suddenly all these resources and opportunities and people want to have coffee with you and it often will feel like, all of those symposiums and whatever form that support might come in. Where was that when actually really needed it and you were feeling so alone perhaps or without the support? So I love that you're focusing on supporting people across a range of spaces. Zita, before I ask you something on a more positive note, do you want to comment on this and the challenges?
3: Just adding on what uh, Belinda said, it's it's amazing that you know you focus on all groups, not just um, a certain section. It's it's also unfortunate, I should say, that in our pre-hospital care environment, progressing to the different steps of where you would start out as a basic life support, go up to an intermediate life support, an advanced life support, it is very difficult to progress through those steps. But now through a couple of changes from um, our governing body, we at least now have the mechanisms to start empowering people to, you know, progress in their careers.
1: That's wonderful. That's good to hear. I feel like this conversation is really showing a little bit of both sides, what still needs to be done, but also that these things are being addressed in some ways. So looking, as I said, a little bit more on the positive side – Zita, you work in an environment that's incredibly high stress. You have to have your wits about you and people do that in different ways. Are there particular strengths perhaps that you see yourself and your female colleagues bringing to this space?
3: I think one of the biggest strengths, um, I think unique to women is that we have this inherent ability to care and we have that inherent um compassion which is something that um you know sometimes lacking in health care in general you know it's because it becomes so overwhelming and the volumes are so high and you just want to move on to the next thing and sometimes we tend to forget that there's a person there. There's a person going through something. And um, a unique uh, characteristic to have that is, it's fantastic to see where you just hold her hand while she's going through something, hold his hand while, you know, we're busy treating him. And that little moment of compassion really, really goes a long way. And I find that a lot of women tend to do that naturally. And um, it's a very good strength to have in our environment, as well as being able to multitask.
1: (laughs) I think that's so important in the sense of whether those things are taught or inherent to women is a completely different discussion, but, it's so important that it's present, whether that's coming from female or male or whoever, but that there are healthcare workers who are modeling and showing and providing that kind of human care, um, that it's not just organs and bloods and strategies, but also a human going probably through the worst day of their life, even if it's just a Tuesday for you. Belinda, from your perspective, what are some of the wonderful strengths female leaders in healthcare bring to the space?
2: Yeah, I think especially, you know, when you look at female leaders, I mean I love what Zita just said about the multisting piece. You know, say so they have the ability to do many things at the same time. And I think that's a skill that women have. But I think when you're actually entering the mentorship space, for example, you know, I, I feel like a lot of the women are always ready to share, you know, so they are able, they want to share the experience. Women tend to be most of the time patient as well. So they want to make time uh, for uh, their mentees. But I, also what is very important is I think that, you know, when you look at education wise, I think women are always want to learn, you know, because I think we've always seen – ourselves as a little bit a little bit uh, not a little bit inferior so we always want to keep up to speed and learn and learn and learn and learn and learn and I always say you know like for example when you see a job description you know if somebody is looking for a new job for a guy he will just look at the thing only maybe when he looks at the requirement although he would only feel let's say 50 percent of what the requirement asks he'll go ahead and apply but a woman will look at that job description and say you know what I don't have this experience. I lack 20 years experience. I will not apply for it. But, you know, because they want to kind of make sure that they're ticking every single box before they apply for the job, which is a good thing, but it's a bad thing because we kind of left behind again and then the men are going above us. So I think that women have amazing skills, you know, but I think what we need to do is really to not to be shy about sharing them. We shouldn't be shy about, being out there. We shouldn't be shy about speaking our minds. And I think for me, it's going to lead us to a better
1: word and a better place. I think the striking thing for me about that example you gave is as soon as you say it out loud and you hear it from somebody else, it's a good reminder of, oh, I do do that. I do look at job descriptions. And when it says six years, I think, or I need eight, or whatever it might be. And that's really the power also of these kinds of conversations, women or just people in healthcare speaking to each other. And that's where I want to segue into mentoring. And I know your organization and you yourself do a lot of mentoring and support in different ways, conferences. So Belinda, what really acts as useful support to women? especially not just in leadership positions, but in positions of high stress, of very, you know, busyness. I think of most healthcare workers in South Africa, they're busy doing their jobs. They might not really have time to go and seek out support. So from your experience, what works? No,
2: I think this is a very good question. And I think, you know, for us, our organization, I mean, it's called the Pan-African Women in Health. And I think what the, the approach that we've done is, it's like dating, you know what I mean? And I always say, you know what, the mentor and the mentee have to match, you know, and then they start dating. And really, you know, you want to make sure that, you know, uh, first of all, the mentee admires, you need to admire the person. You need to look at the person who who you aspire to be your mentor, to have, you know, there's something that attracts you about them. It's maybe the career path, it's how they behave, you know, teach, you know admire them. And then the second thing that uh, we need to look at a person who, who's passionate about helping mentees, because you don't want to get a very busy person. Every time you talk to them, they'll be like, oh, I'm busy today, I can't talk to you. you know, so you have to make sure you, know, you make sure you balance it and make sure you reach out to somebody that has passion for helping people. And then the other thing is you also have to reach out to a person who's ready to share the experience, because sometimes in a world where it's so competitive, some women just want to keep everything to themselves. You know, they don't want to tell you where the next big opportunity is coming. So really you need to be with a person who will be happy to say, you know what, I'm happy to share my story. But also I think what is important is the mentor also has to be recipient because I feel, you know, we need to also deal with what we call reverse mentorship. You know, as a mentor, because I've experienced, I mustn't think that I know it all. You know what I mean? I should also say, you know what, I'm also learning from my mentee, what is the environment, what are the challenges, so that this is going to help me guide the mentee. And and also important for uh, women that are really into uh, supporting younger generation is to make sure that they don't dictate, but they guide the mentee in a way that they can thrive and they can uh, succeed in the years to come, both personally and professionally, because I believe that there's really a blurred line uh, at some point between personal and professional. I mean, if you in a bad mental state, you will not advance in your career. You know what I mean? So as mentor, we should be able to really balance those two. And, and I think that's kind of how I'll answer your question.
1: That makes a lot of sense. And it strongly reminds me of a moment in my own journey that was significant for me, which is listening to one of my mentors speak to somebody else about mentorship and say, if I feel like I don't want to mentor someone or give them opportunities or support them, that says very little about them. It says everything about me believing I'm not good enough and my skills and what I offer to this space aren't at the level they should be to be able to give freely. So it really shows me what you're saying, Belinda, is to be a good mentor, you also have to be able to accept things, you have to know where you are, and not come out of a space of jealousy or competition, but really feel like you can give with an open hand. Zita, from your side, from what you see, what do you think the
3: space needs in terms of support? It is a very different environment. A lot of the stresses are very sort of surface level in terms of the external stresses. But when you actually look at it, a lot of those external stresses are not managed appropriately because of your internal stresses. And it's something that we are focusing on quite a lot at my company is that. Something as simple as self compassion and believing in yourself, managing your own internal stresses will help you actually manage those external stresses and obviously, our external stresses when you 're looking at road operations are most of the time physical stresses such as um, you know your physical environment, um, dealing with a difficult call, being tired because cPR is very tiring, dealing with, um, you know, angry parents, angry bystanders. um, It's all sort of in your face and very stressful in that moment. But then you have the ability to, when the call is over, step away. And you've got that moment to be able to process and manage that, uh, that event or that trauma that came with that. When you're in the call center environment, Um, It's obviously telephonic or we may be doing a virtual consultation with somebody. Usually those situations, it's all sort of audio and some are visual, but you're not physically there in that moment. So it's a little bit different, but the stressor there is more volume related where you've just logged a call with a screaming mother, her baby's, you know, in trouble and then you put the phone down and you go onto your next call and it's an irate caller that's complaining about his sore toe. <laughs> and, you know, it's 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 sometimes difficult to regulate your emotions when you have such varying degrees of emergencies that come across your desk. Um, and we, unfortunately, a large portion of our calls are not emergencies. Um, so you kind of have to kind of struggle with the, I just dealt with a real emergency, and now I'm dealing with a non-emergency. But you have to treat those two people exactly the same because it is their emergency to their understanding. So you kind of have to understand the perception as well. Like I said, it's two sort of different stresses that you have to deal with, but you're only able to adequately deal with them if you in yourself are able to, if you've just had, for example, a death in the family, and now you get a call for having to go and perform CPR on somebody that was maybe the same age or gender as the person that has just passed away, it is difficult. And it is something that is very triggering. And managing triggers is also something that we are bringing into our training and development as well.
1: I love these two perspectives because we've really in this episode spoken from an emergency on the ground to a leader in a boardroom. Support can look very different for women and for people in the healthcare industry. And yet it's also important to keep making sure that those people are supported and have what they need internally when Things happen when they're in the midst of it, regardless of what that might look like. I want to end off the show the way I always do, which is to speak directly to our listeners, most of whom work in the healthcare industry in South Africa or beyond. Belinda, what would you want our listeners to really take away from this conversation? I think I'll just add with a
2: simple sentence. If you are seated at a table, pull another chair. You know, don't sit on your own, just make sure you pull another chair for another woman and the other woman can also pull another chair for another one. Then we will equally partake and contribute to social impact in the world.
1: And Zita, from your side, from your perspective, what would you love for healthcare workers to take away from this conversation?
3: I think most importantly, look after yourself and for the women as well, straighten each other's crowns.
1: Those two sentences work together while chairs and crowns is what we take away from this conversation. Thank you both so much for joining me on the episode. I've been speaking to Belinda Ngongo and Zita van As you know by now, my name is Elna Schutz and you've been listening to GE Vital Voices. We release new episodes every month and you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on LinkedIn and Instagram or for more on GE Healthcare visit gehealthcare.com. Till next time.
0: Healthcare has never been more accessible, intelligent or dynamic. It's also never been under more pressure. That's where GE Healthcare comes in. You and we, the clinicians and professionals on the front lines of delivering healthcare for your patients and communities. Also, those building the intelligent devices, data analytics, applications and services to enable you to do so more efficiently and with better outcomes. Together, we're at the center of an ecosystem, striving for precision health.